is everyone still alive? I sure hope so. Is everyone still there? Are we sending this out to no one? Did we all survive 2020? Did that just happen? I think it did. To be fair, we all didn't. Because <laughs> there are obviously people who have died, which is really sad. But all of you who are listening, you survived. Right. And you know what? If you'd like, and it's safe for you to do so, I would like you to pat yourself on the back right now. Kyle, I want you to do it too. Just, uh, just give yourself a little pat. Why would that be unsafe for somebody to if do? If they're driving. I mean, I drive with one hand. Well, right, but driving and patting on one back, one's back is got to right. be a little Humans bit dangerous. Humans can't multitask. That's impossible. Kind of. It's like walking Oh, also, welcome gum. to Milk and Screams. <laughs> yeah, we're here. <laughs> uh, welcome to Milk and Screams. I'm Jacob. And I'm Kyle. Hey, it's 2021. We said we would film the podcast. That didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully soon. It, it will happen soon. Uh just things happened over the break. Yeah, see, the um, thing is, we're not buying a camera. We're just trying to nab one off somebody who already possesses <laughs> one, and the nabbing abilities have not yet been possessed, so right. we don't have the camera. So we don't have the camera yet, and therefore, we haven't felt it necessary to buy the, the little set we want to make yet. So uh, that will come, and we felt like it'd probably be better if we do it all together instead of trying to, you know do something stupid so we're excited about that that'll probably come later in the month or within the next month or so so anyways i have been looking forward to recording so much i've missed doing this every week um yeah i was it's it, it honestly has been kind of weird without doing this and now i was just saying i'm nervous coming back to it because i guess i feel out of practice about talking obviously i'm talking to you but also to people who aren't there yeah. and now it feels weird coming back to it Right. And also just the nature of this episode is, <laughs> is sort of sort of a little bit more weighted my way. So I almost feel a pressure. It's almost like taking a test for me, honestly. Really? Like I did research and or it's it's like giving it's like giving a speech in class. Like I have to give an oral presentation. Right. I did research and now it is my duty and my turn to come up and present the information. Hopefully all of which I have gleaned correctly. <laughs> And if it's not correct, that's the nervous part. Because then you get I, people that are like, that eh, was wrong. Let me I, tell you what I know. I, I think it's correct. And also, you're smart. So I don't have any I don't have any qualms right now with you. I haven't listened to your research yet, so <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, but we do want to catch you guys up a little bit on our breaks. And you know what? There might be even some things that we haven't talked about on our breaks yet that happened that, you know, we could talk about. Uh so, Kyle, I'd like to start with you, if you'd like to go ahead and start with just talking about your break, your Christmas, your New Year's, all that jazz. So, I mean, it was pretty standard for the most part. I be- So, when we did our Christmas podcast, our episode, mm-hmm. I th- I'm pretty sure it was in the episode that we talked about that every year, yours or mine or both of our moms will say to us for that year, <laughs> hey, guys, I just want you to know, it's Christmas might not be as big as the last one or might not be as great as the last one. You know, it's been a hard year money wise. And that's usually true in my family period. My mom's a <clears throat> a single mom of four and is a pre-K teacher. So she doesn't make a whole lot of money. She's a breadwinner. She, she's the only breadwinner. And she says it every year and every year she kills it. I'm pretty sure we said that within the episode. I don't think it was outside of maybe the episode, but 
I'm pretty sure that's standard between moms too. Like every mom says that. And I'm wondering if it's a psychological thing or if they're trying right, to like yeah. wear us down a little bit. I think I think the good moms. Have, <laughs> have if a, your mom is dead, she's a piece of garbage. I think the good moms or maybe not even maybe the I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but I feel like they have almost like this healthy fear or disposition to not want to disappoint your children right i think they have a healthy fear of just making sure the expectations are low especially for something like christmas when you when you're children because you know you're expecting a lot of gifts and you don't want to disappoint them so you say early on it might not be as grand as you want it you know because they don't they don't want to disappoint and she's been saying that almost every year a the youngest one of us now is 19 years old like we're not children that need a billion gifts every year. Like we all understand the situation of four children, single mom. We probably four adults. Get, yeah, four adult children, <laughs> single mom. But she still wants to get us a whole lot of gifts. And every year she's like, "I need a list. I need a list. Give me a bigger list." And we'll give. We'll say like, "I don't. I don't know. Clean socks. I don't have any socks without holes in them." <laughs> and then every year we'll give her stuff, and she'll be like, "I need more. Your grandparents and your uncle need to buy you things too." Like. And this year she did the same thing. And obviously, I think a lot of parents did this year just because it was 2020. Yeah. So I think it was kind of standard to say this would be maybe a smaller one. I mean, honestly, she killed it again. It felt it felt the same. All my gifts were fantastic. And some of the cooler things that I was like, oh, that'd be cool if I got that. I actually did get. Um, so Christmas was great. I mean, I got that corduroy fleece lined levi's jacket that's which is kind of like my big ticket item and looks great because you know things look great on me because i'm tall and that's specifically (laughs) thanks for rubbing it in (laughs) um the weird part about it the at thanksgiving we didn't have thanksgiving the normal way because my cousins were up in tennessee getting ready for the wedding and we always have it at my cousin's house and we normally also have thanksgiving around my grandparents who throughout all of this COVID stuff have not wanted to be around anybody because they're just scared. Yeah. Um, you know, cause they're grandparents and they're old and they're more susceptible, they're more susceptible to it. Right. Um, so this year included normally what happens is, uh, we'll do, uh, us four kids and my mom will do all our gifts in the morning. And then later that day, my uncle and my grandparents come over and they give us any gifts that they got us and we'll open our Christmas gifts. Um, but this year we just, we brought them their gifts and we got ours from them at the house. And then we brought them back to our house without them. And then we FaceTimed them. And so we passed the computer around from person to person opening our gifts. They weren't actually there with us, which was, I mean, obviously it was really sad to not yeah. have them around for like actually in the building for Christmas. That really sucked. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, when you open a gift and you're like, it, you open a gift and you're like, Oh, this is a pretty cool gift. Like it's, it's one of those that you're not, you know, crazy, super excited about. Like, oh my god, I got a motorcycle for Christmas. You know, like she got me, she got me this cool Harry Potter puzzle. I thought it was really cool. But it's really hard to evoke the joy that you are, in fact, feeling through FaceTime. Yeah. Without being able to look at them and say, you know, oh, this is so cool. You know, because your voice breaks up over FaceTime, and then their reaction to your reaction is delayed, mm-hmm. and so it feels very. It almost feels. What's the word? Undisingenuine? Is that the word? Ungenuine? Um, not genuine. Not genuine. There's a word for it. I don't remember what it is. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was a it was a weird holiday, but still a pretty good holiday. And then 
New Year's rolled around and every every New Year when the ball drops, uh, my little brother goes outside. And last year we went outside and we screamed, sang the national anthem together. He chooses a different song every year. And what a song he <laughs> chooses. Um, or no, excuse me. Last year he chose All Star. That's what he okay. sang. Okay, obviously that's, that, that's Aaron. Yep. I think we sang national anthem one year, but then this year he started screaming out loud um, a song called uh, "Graves into Gardens," uh, which is it's it's a Christian song that came out fairly recently. But he just started. He just he has to find a song and start screaming it once the ball drops. That's the only way he knows how to bring in the new year is scream singing, and it's one of my joys of New Year's <laughs> Eve is listening to him because. My little brother is very tone deaf, <laughs> so yes. he, he can't sing properly whenever he's trying, but when he's screaming, everything is the same note. He's not changing notes while screaming. It's all just, he's just scream <laughs> monotone singing, and it's, uh, it's, it's a highlight way to start off my year every year. That's amazing. Um, my holiday was a little crappy, I'm not going to lie. Uh. So, the week the podcast came out, I went and visited uh, Sar and Jacob and Walter with you. The, fir- the first week of the podcast or the latest episode? The latest episode. Okay, gotcha. Um, that was the same week, yeah. We went to a trampoline park and hung out with them, had a Christmas party. Really fun stuff. But... I came back because uh, I had to work. I worked on that Tuesday, and I left that Monday morning. So I came over for basically the weekend. When I came back, I wasn't feeling good. And I, I don't know why I didn't think of this. Like, it's wintertime. We were just among hundreds of children running around, sweating, jumping into ball pits of all things. I was like, first of all, this is not safe at all to do it during a pandemic. No. Just, that never crossed my mind for some reason. But also, not besides the pandemic, it's just winter, so things just get around. Mm-hmm. I got really sick. Like, um, I was pathetic. And I, I have this theory also that all men are just rendered useless when they get a cold. I feel like that's a pretty common theory, and I think... It shouldn't be a theory anymore because I think it's a hundred percent true. <laughs> I don't think it should be. I think I think science should dig deeper into this and find that it is a law of nature that men are babies the minute they get sick. <laughs> They're just babies. Like I felt <laughs> pathetic. I didn't move for like twelve hours. Like I just laid there, and just like sobbed silently because I was in so much pain and like. I, I had a cold like and, and I, I dared not tell my mother because she would freak the frick out because because it was Christmas week and I was coming down there to visit them. So uh, she called me one night to see what I was doing. My mom has this thing where she has to check what the plan is when I'm coming down five times, even though I told her three times already. So well, three is not enough. <laughs> so, so she called me late at night, and I was in bed just, and and she, and she was like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm just a little sick." And she was like, "Go to the doctor now." I was like, "I don't think I have insurance." And she was like, "Go to a minute clinic; they'll give you antibodies and stuff." And I was like, "I think it's closed, and it's almost Christmas Eve, so they're definitely gonna be closed tomorrow." And she was like, "There's like eight minute clinics near. I'm calling them right now. I'm giving you an appointment." I'm like. I don't need this. I got. I have Dayquil. I should be fine. 
Um, it just, I was just, I, I thought I had a fever, but I don't have a thermometer. So there's no way to tell if I had a fever or not. Um, so <laughs> I ended up going to the work the next morning, uh, for like a few hours and they were like, just go home. It's Christmas Eve. And you know what? You're sick. We can tell you're sick. Just go home. I went home. I wrapped all my Christmas gifts, got in the car, drove to Crestview, got there. And I was like, I'm going to bed. <laughs> and they said, okay, good night. And went to bed. I woke up on Christmas morning and my sisters were all gone uh, to go to Disney for with their family. So Brittany and my nephew, Trevor, and then uh, her newlywed husband and his daughter and Emily, my sister, all went to Disney World for the whole week. And they came back on Christmas Day. Um, and I knew that they weren't going to be back at six o'clock in the morning, ready to open presents. So I slept in until like nine o'clock. I woke up and I had, had some tea and just was chilling. And my parents are having brunch. They're having people over for brunch on Christmas Day, which they've never done before. But, uh, you know, whatever. So everyone came over. I had to be sociable. And I was just like, gross. I kind of want to just go home because I had work the next morning. All so, right. Yeah. You worked the day after Christmas, right? Yep. Uh, and it couldn't have just been on a Saturday where I could just sleep on Sunday and just mm -hmm. come up. No, it had to be, it had to be that way. So they eventually got back after everyone left from brunch around like 6 PM and we opened gifts. Um, and I actually got some really, really dope gifts. I got a really cool knife set for like kitchen. Oh yeah. yeah the, I, the magnetic. I, mm -hmm. I'm in love with that knife set. It's got these really nice wooden handles and like a wooden grain engraved into the knife. And I got this really cool magnetic knife stand that just looks so sleek and so awesome. The knives are sharp. I got a bunch of kitchen stuff, and I got um, a couple of clothing items. And just you know, overall, it was a great Christmas. Um, and I got some really cool gifts for my family. And again, I came back up, and I was still feeling like crap. I went to work on Saturday. And the thing that sucked the most is, is normally I could come home and complain to you, but you were gone, Kyle. I was gone for a, I was gone for a good bit. Yeah, yeah, and I, it bummed me out. But obviously, like I'm not gonna beg you to come back, <laughs> uh, Kyle. Please, <laughs> I need you. I'm so alone. I was I was really lonely uh, for that time, and I kind of just like watched movies and ate junk food, mm -hmm. you know, while I was alone. Uh, that way, I wouldn't heckle you about eating so much junk food. Yeah, that's a good point. I baked a lot of cookies too, and I, I perfected my cookie recipe. Oh boy, uh, those cookies! Oh, they're so good. I actually, <laughs> i I planned on just doing baking like all night, Christmas, uh, New Year's Eve. I was just gonna bake all night and just like you know gorge myself. I baked until like ten thirty five, and I was like, "All right, I'm going to bed. It's New Year's in like Australia or something, <laughs> in New Zealand," and I went to bed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everyone was like, "What'd you do?" And I was like. I baked until 10.30. And I, I went, went to bed at 10.30. They were like, oh, you mean like smoking? Like, no, I was like, I literally baked. Why'd you bake? Oh, I don't know. I had nothing else to do. <laughs> it was a pandemic. You heard of it? <laughs> so that was my break. And when you came back, Kyle, I was elated. I was so yeah. happy to have someone here to talk to. I was so lonely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I was definitely, I like being back here because, I mean, obviously, I love being home. But there's also something nice about being back here where I'm not worried about, oh, I can't get in the shower because someone else is in there. Oh, the bathroom is disgusting because three other people use it. My bathroom's immaculate here because 
Mine I is, use it. Mine is not. <laughs> Mine's disgusting. I need to clean it like right after this podcast, actually. Oh, and for future uh, reference, I have a thermometer in my bathroom. Do you really? Yeah, because my my mom is very um, my mom's very preparation based when it comes to being sick. So, like the first time I moved to Gainesville on my own when I went to the dorm, I needed. I had to have Band-Aids and ibuprofen and a thermometer. Three things that I probably haven't used in years because I'm very stubborn and I don't like things that will help me. I'd rather just help myself. <laughs> so I'm very stubborn. I legitimately – I don't think that thermometer is out of the package. Wow. I think it's just in the package. I don't think the Band-Aid box has been opened. I don't think I've opened the bottle of ibuprofen. Um, My mom did the same thing. She didn't give me a thermometer, but she gave me a bunch of medicine. I used the ibuprofen. I used all the the – flu like big old nasty pills that i had i used all of those and um she also got me band-aids uh and i used all of those because i cut my finger using my knife set um and i say using i wasn't using it i was being stupid and playing around with it like a ninja and i cut my finger like i don't know how it happened i cut my finger and i was bleeding like crazy uh and i used like four band-aids over a course of, like two days to stop the bleeding <laughs> it's gross um so I hope you guys' Christmas and holidays are better than mine. Mine kind of stunk, but that's part of getting old. Yeah, I mean, you you start to be, I'm not going to say more alone, but sometimes you like it doesn't go the way it did as a child where you're always around family and then you're always given a bunch of things that you right. wanted, you know, depending on your household situation growing up and, you know, the amount of money you had growing up, that sort of thing. But, you know, in an average home where you kind of get a decent amount of gifts and that sort of thing if you celebrate the holiday at all then as you get older it starts to change a little bit and i mean yeah sometimes it could be a little sad especially after the course of everything that happened last year it just seemed like yeah. everything was getting more and more sad but that's what the new year is for that's what it's that's what 2021 is for and this is my segue into talking about new year's resolutions <laughs> i hate them i hate them so much and this is the only reason i hate them is because for some reason people wait for the new year to either start a goal that they already have in mind or they haven't even they haven't been introspective up until the new year started to hit like the new year is about to come and then people start to go oh i think i want to change this and that about my physical life or my my personality or the way that I approach situations, or the way that my friendships are based. Maybe I should change that up. Maybe I need to cut toxic people out of my life now. You can do that any of the other days as well. You can be introspective any time of the year, or like you can you can figure out a goal, because people will do this. They'll like, November will hit, right? And they'll think, to use a basic one, I think I wanna lose weight. And then they go, I'll just wait until the new year. There's about to be a bunch of holidays. I'm about to eat a bunch of garbage. It's going to be useless to start right now. I'll wait until the new year. That really bugs me. <laughs> and like, I know people can, I know people can just have a predisposition to be a little bit lazy. And so they want to put it off until they absolutely have to start where they, where they've thought I put the goal over there. I'll wait until I get to there where I put it to start it. Just start it when you when you when you have the notion that you want to do something, do it. You yeah. know, it, it it really bugs me that people put it off just because a number is about to change. Yeah, 
I will say this <clears throat> about holidays in general. I do find it funny how every month has to have a holiday. And every month that has a holiday makes you buy something. <laughs> we had this conversation before because you were like, why does it have to happen on January 1st? New Year's resolutions doesn't make any sense. Why can't they do it earlier? And I was like, because of capitalism. And you were like, shut up, Jacob. <laughs> I was like, no, it's because of capitalism. Think about it. They didn't make this stuff up in the new year, right? They, they didn't make it up. But, well, they did obviously make it up at some point. But Of course, time is a construct. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, January doesn't have any major holidays unless it, Martin Luther King's birthday is in January. January 15th. Um, so that's a holiday, but you're not buying anything for Martin Luther King Day. So they have to market something to you. Like, oh, do you want to lose weight for your new year? You better get a flat tummy tea or go to the gym and get membership or do this, that, or the other. And then February rolls along. And you're like, you love somebody? <laughs> Pop chocolate now. See, I haven't had to worry about that one in a long time. <laughs> hey, uh. St. <laughs> Patrick's Day, get drunk. Go stimulate the economy. Go to bars. Go to spring break. April? What's in April? I don't know what's in April. Skip April. <laughs> <laughs> Easter sometimes. Oh, yeah. Easter's in April. That's right. I was uh, That was the major one. Because, like, you know, we got to buy Easter basket. You mm -hmm. got to go decorate. You got to go to church. You got to go to this. And we've already talked about how the Easter bunny is useless. Exactly. It's all a ploy to get you to buy things. That's all holidays are. You can think about it even deeper. You can go every month. There's something to do. There's a barbecue that you have to go to. There's something that you have to celebrate because we said it so and you have to buy it. You, you talking about this has made me think something. And this is going to sound like a weird question because it seems obvious. Okay. But I want to think about it for more than a couple seconds. Sure. Is the New, New Year's Day or New Year's Eve, the one, is that technically a holiday? Definitely. Because the thing that confuses me about it is that all it's doing is marking that the year has changed, right? Mm -hmm. It's not referencing something from history that we're celebrating or a specific person that we want to give thanks to and show our love for, like a mother or a father's day, for instance. Or a veteran. Right. It's just it's just marking that the year is now not the year anymore. So it feels thinking about it like that for me just now makes me feel like it's not technic technically a holiday. Here's why it is. Capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> it probably wasn't a holiday for thousands of years, Kyle, or however long the calendar has been there. Pile, no one freaking cared. No one cared at all. And then they said, how can we make money off the new year? Let's make people celebrate. Let's make people, you know what I mean? Not make mm. people, but let's tell people they had to celebrate. Let's put a ball in the middle of the quote unquote greatest city on earth and make it fall vertically real slow. Like, you know, let's, let's, let's make people buy streamers and goofy glasses that say 2021 on them. And let's, I mean, it, let's make it a celebration. I get, I guarantee you there's some history to it. That's, I mean, there's probably some pagan history. I was about to say, just say the word pagan and you're probably right. Like, <laughs> but like I said, that's just the way things are in our society. I find it more hilarious than anything. It's kind of daunting. I'm using that word a lot now. 
kind of scary that they just feel like they have to sell us stuff all the time. And honestly, they kind of have to to keep the <laughs> to keep mm-hmm. everything afloat in a capitalistic society. So now that we're uh now that we're past New Year's, I can't wait till Valentine's Day where I can buy <laughs> I can buy my loved ones chocolate. I can buy myself a big old heart shaped thing full of Reese's. Mmm, Reese's. I always get one because my mom also buys this crap for Valentine's Day, and she's, <laughs> she's just part of the problem. She literally is just like, "Here, have a case that's heart shaped that's filled with Reese's." And every year, I say thank you, and I eat it all right then and there. Delicious. So, assumedly. This the title of this episode is going to be something revolving around what we prefaced before when I did research, which is conspiracy theories. So that's what we're going to dive into now. And we honestly talked about the holidays and breaks longer than I even thought we were going to. It's been so, like thirty minutes, yeah. Pretty close to it, yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was going to be that long, but that's fine with me. I'm just here to talk. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's what podcasts are. <laughs> Take a sip of water, and then he started a sentence that he didn't finish. <laughs> no, that's, that's where you're. That's where you're wrong. That is die, stop talking. Ooh, oops. That's where you're wrong. The sentence ended more abruptly than I thought it would, but it ended. It was a complete thought. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right, you're like I just want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. That was really funny. <laughs> okay. So. This is. Okay. I'd like to also point out. This is an idea we've had since the genesis of this podcast. When we first started kind of drudging up ideas. Because it's. I wouldn't say hard. But it's a little dangerous to just one week say. Let's talk about this this week. And then not wait to come up with an idea until the next week. Right. So we. We tried to come up with multiple ideas from the very start and build on it from there. So we're never at a loss for ideas or we're never just trying to think off the fly while we're talking in a podcast because hopefully we'll have talked about a certain subject that we will have been able to think about for some amount of time before we started talking, but just not out loud so we can say it to the other person in the midst of the podcast conversation. Because podcasts are talking. (laughs) That's what podcasts are. <laughs> <That's> what... <laughs> now that you said it back to me the way I said it. <laughs> That's why I'm so confused. <laughs> okay. Any- <laughs> so, <laughs> is it going to be four minutes of us just laughing? Okay. So <laughs> the original, oh, the original thought idea that we had was to try and do a little bit of research, come up with a couple of ideas of um, how conspiracy theories start and where they come from, that sort of thing. And uh, in my travels throughout the web, I have found that it's very difficult to pinpoint the origin of conspiracy theory. It's much easier to pinpoint a certain type of person that is more susceptible to conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. But it's very difficult to go case by case and say, where did this one start? And trace it back to some person that said something stupid and then a whole line of people that believed him and carried on the information. Yeah. 
that's not really what happens for the most part. So I'm going to try and give the give the spark notes of of my findings about conspiracy theories and the people who believe them. So to start with, okay. A big part of believing conspiracy theories in general is relying on your intuition. Because what intuition does is uncertainties in life can kind of draw on our anxiety and can build our anxiety. And what intuition does is says, hey, I don't like it. I'm going to find the quickest answer that I can that makes sense to me to make sense of what this is that's happening. And the answer that I find is going to be the one that I stick with. I mean, honestly, intuition saved us when we were, you know, prehistoric. Like when we were coming up as, you know, as a society, you know, if our intuition saw something big with teeth poking out of its mouth, we said, hey, let's not try and pet that. (laughs) (laughs) So we ran away or we grabbed our spear. So um, our, our brains are, you know, prehistoric brains operating, you know, machinery and stuff like that that is and that alone is interesting because maybe something like that was the first conspiracy theory right right because maybe someone in a prehistoric sense saw a wolf right and said that thing has sharp teeth and looks kind of mean and scary so my initial thought and belief without trying to do any research of that wolf or try to communicate with it or to try to live alongside it is that it's mean and bad and it would hopefully taped, taste delicious so then they run away and they say guys there's this thing out there that's really mean and scary and it looks like it could probably eat us so we should kill it immediately and you know what <clears throat> that worked for like thousands of years i feel like that re- very rarely backfired and what but what is this but what a society that the, in that first instance had said had looked at it and thought it looks a little mean and scary but maybe it would like to live alongside us and tried to have a decent relationship with the wolf or whatever wild creature that they thought was scary. And then society was built around living alongside wildlife in that sense. If that could have ever worked to start with, then our society right now would be completely different if, assumedly, that first conspiracy theory had been looked at from a different perspective. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, using our basic dumb example... uh, you know, that kind of did happen because we domesticated dogs and cats and exactly. you know, tons of things. So, I mean, using our dumb example, like that that definitely happened. Eventually, somebody, you know, cracked the conspiracy and said, hey, guys, not all these animals suck. Some of them are cool, but all snakes suck. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. And that's, and that's my point, because it was eventually. But if from the start it had been and that's so there's there's two different type or there's a spectrum between being an intuitionist and being a rationalist, right? Okay. So what if that first person that had seen a wolf wasn't an intuitionist, but instead was a rationalist and thought, this is an animal that also has a brain. Maybe it would like to live alongside a different society like us, even though we are different, hmm. right? If that first person assumedly was an intuitionist, then they said, kill it. It looks mean. And then they did. And then wolves started being mean to people when they saw them. Mm. which obviously it's a it's a, it's it's a, i'm grasping at straws to make that analogy yeah but the point is that there's an intuitionist and rationalist spectrum 
and depending on where you fall is um is more evident of how you look at the world right um so there's a couple interesting questions so this guy uh eric oliver from the university of chicago he's he's one of the guys he's been looking into conspiracy theories and people who believe them for i think 10 years now or something <clears throat> and found a lot of stuff between intuitionalists and rationalists which is very interesting a just as a side note half of the public just in general half of the population will agree on at least one conspiracy theory if you, if you got all the people yeah and you threw one if you, you threw some conspiracy theories out there half of them will agree with at least one of those the most common ones are the ones that involve the supernatural and you know, aliens, UFO, extraterrestrial existence in general. Those are the most common conspiracy theories. You know, religion too could kind of, I mean, if you look at it di with a different, you know, if you glance at it, sure, that could be a conspiracy theory as well. Yeah, and the way that, pe the way that some people look at the world, because obviously I, I'm a Christian, I believe in, I, I believe in God and the way I look at the world. But then someone who doesn't believe in that believes that the way I'm looking at the world is a conspiracy theory. And the way that, and the, the way that I look at the world is myth. And the way that they look at the world is based in reality and fact. So it's obviously a person-by-person -person case. Um, and that's a conspiracy theory, or what Eric Oliver calls a conspiracy theory called a contagion heuristic, which is very popular in religion as well, which is... Like the idea of something being taboo, and if you touched it, then you would be unclean. Now it's almost like cooties, right? Like like a little child believes that a girl has cooties, and if you touch them, now you have cooties, and you're gross. It's a very juvenile form of a contagion heuristic, which is a type of conspiracy theory that you brought up religion. It just happened to remind me that exists yeah. within religions as well, with things being unclean and things like that. Um. 42% of people with a high school education, without a high school education, believe in a conspiracy theory. 43%. 42. 23% of anyone with a postgraduate degree believes in a conspiracy theory. So 42% of those without high school education will believe in one. Of people that have graduated, 23% will believe in one. So not to say that those that are undereducated are more susceptible to believe in things that don't have reliable facts to look into, but they'll be less likely to look into the facts more deeply than someone with a postgraduate degree. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess. <clears throat> so that was a, that was a something that they had found. So what what they would do to try and gain gain an idea of how people fall on the spectrum of intuitionists and rationalists is they would ask some questions that seem really bizarre, but that have sort of a deeper meaning to them. So I'm going to go uh, through a couple of them now. There are would you rather questions that are very, they're not like, you know, would you rather die or eat your big toe? You know, like it's not, it's not anything like that. It's, it's a much wider spectrum. Are, of, you, are uh, you going to ask them to me? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, you don't have to answer, but I'm going to read I'm going, them out. Okay. I'm going to answer them. I know your answer to the first one just because of, I'll, you'll see. Okay. So the first one, would you rather stab a photo of your family five times or would you rather stick your hand in a bowl of cockroaches? Stick, stab family. Uh-huh. Yeah. 100%. See, that's why I knew what your first one was because of your fear of cockroaches. Okay. That's would, such a weird... Exactly. Okay, anyways. Yeah. And I'll explain more. Would you rather sleep in laundered PJs worn by Charles Manson or 
Would you rather take a nickel off the ground and put it in your mouth? Sleep in clean in clean pajamas that belong to this jackass named Charles Manson. Uh-huh. Or take a nickel off the ground and put it in your mouth. That nickel could be tasty. <laughs> I doubt it. I like sleeping. Okay, the PJs, the clean PJs. Clean PJs. So here's a third one, and there are plenty more, but these are the ones that he gives examples of. Would you rather spend a night in a dirty bus station, hmm. or would you rather spend a night in a mansion where a family was once murdered? Ooh. In terms of my own safety, I'd have to say the mansion. Because if you sleep in that bus station, you're like open to people messing with your stuff. Okay. And I have stuff. You have stuff? I have stuff. <laughs> okay, so you gave answers that I would I would pretty much expect. So the point of them is that choosing one would make you more of a rationalist and choosing the other would make you more of an intuitionist. So for example, the stabbing your photo of your family or sticking your hand in a bowl of ro- in a bowl of roaches. There there's nothing dangerous or gross or that has any negative effect on the mind of anyone about stabbing a photo of your family except for yourself right so some people if you saw a photo of your family and you stabbed it you would feel like you were stabbing your family you would feel like you were making making some kind of statement about the way that you feel about your family and you are decimating your family somehow, even though it's just a piece of paper that your family happens to be on. So an intuitionist would say, you know, oh, I definitely wouldn't want to do that. I definitely am not stabbing a picture of my family. I'm sticking my hand in the bowl of roaches. And a rationalist would say, it's just a piece of paper. It has my family on it, but that's fine. I'm stabbing the picture. Same thing with the the PJs. Or the nickel off the ground and put it in your mouth. An intuitionist would say, oh, there's no way I'm sleeping in PJs that Charles Manson once wore. Because I don't want to touch those. I don't want to be associated with Charles Manson. I'll take a dirty nickel and put it in my mouth and hope I don't get diseases. Whereas a rationalist would say, they're clean pajamas. It's just material. It's been washed off. It's like you said, it's just, it's PJs. Like a dirty nickel could give me some kind of disease or something. This is just cloth. I'll sleep in that. That's fine. (laughs) And then same with the last one. Right. The last one makes the most sense to me. Yeah. So dirty bus station or stay in a mansion where a family was once murdered. An intuitionist would say, I'm not staying in that mansion where a family got murdered because, you know, bad juju. I mean, if they got murdered that night and the killer was also there. Well, obviously that's that's, that's different. That's a little different. I wouldn't walk in and be like, you know, hey, man. (laughs) Ah, like what you done with the place. Yeah, like, I, I, would, I wouldn't do I that. I don't think that that is the nature of the question. Like a family was murdered. <laughs> well, they're there. not very specific, are they? <laughs> a family was murdered there famously 40 years ago. Still, an intuitionist would say, I'm not staying in that house. A family got murdered there. What if I happen to be next just because I'm there now? I don't want the bad juju of murder. I'll sleep in this dingy, dirty bus station where hopefully no one robs me. Rationalist would say, it's just a house. Someone was murdered there once at some point. People are murdered all the time in all sorts of places that I didn't know about. I'm not sleeping in a dirty bus station. That's gross. Give me the mansion. Still spooky. So, exactly. Still spooky. So, uh, most people, about 60%, fall somewhere in the middle of this of the spectrum of intuitionist, intuitionist and rationalist. 
Because, you know, like you gave a different degree of answers here as well. Like you'd rather stab your family, which is the rationalist way. But then you would also rather. Um, well, I chose the rational side every time. Actually, yeah, you did. Because you, yeah, you chose rational side every time. But like I said, there are a d bunch of different answers. Like if that had been stab a photo of your family or uh, stick your hand in a bowl of fish, right? Like a bowl of disease ridden fish or something like that. So, like, obviously your fear of roaches swayed you to the photo. Yeah. But certain questions you would answer maybe more intuitionalist and some you'd – like myself personally, I'm not stabbing the photo of my family, hmm. to be honest. That feels weird to me. That feels like I'm desecrating my mother and my siblings, my grandparents, whoever. I'll take my hand in the bowl of roaches over the photo. But then on the next one, I would definitely rather sleep with PJs that were once worn by Charles Manson rather than take Big a fan. nickel off the ground and put it in my mouth. <laughs> Love is work. <laughs> you caught. <laughs> so, like, I would definitely rather wear those PJs right. because who cares? It's just PJs. Right. So 60% of people fall somewhere in that, in the middle of that. And then outside of that, the intuitionalists, I keep saying that, intuitionists outweigh the rationalists about two to one. Yeah. And intuitionists are more susceptible to believe conspiracy theories. So then you have this, this set of people who definitely would, and then those people that are somewhere in the middle, that maybe they lean a little bit more towards intuition, and they'll believe some. And the people that lean a little bit more towards rationalism, and they'll believe some. So it's just – it's interesting. And that – all of that is what made me think this following thought which isn't brought up in the research that he did, but intuitionists are more susceptible to belief conspiracy theories. So I think that maybe anyone that would be in that category, I think they also claim the majority of people who are superstitious. That's mm. my thought because they base their guess on intuition. Like they wouldn't wear those. They wouldn't wear those PJs worn by Charles Manson because absolutely not voodoo and juju, bad bad vibes from Killer Boy. So I'll put a dirty nickel in my mouth. So I think if that's the spectrum that you fall in, I think you're also part of the majority of people that are superstitious people. That's my own personal thought. I don't know if you have any thoughts on it, but that's just kind of what I also happen to think about that I think may be true that I couldn't find any I happen writings to, on. I happen to think that they're one and the same. So – People who do, you know, chug down conspiracy theories like, you know, like crazy are, um, are, you know, very superstitious. They, you know, don't step on cracks when they walk on the sidewalk or whatever, whatever it may be. Um, my thing is about conspiracy theories is that a lot of them do have facts. A lot of the, a lot of them do have some weird facts associated with them, yes. right? So that 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 triggers both parts of our brain, right? Because I think this guy, I don't know if he gets into this research, but from what I understand, there are both parts of our brain, parts right. that you know, no, okay, two plus two is four, nickel on ground equals dirty, right? But there's also you know rational stuff that says snake bad. So like whenever you see both of those things, right? Like when we, whenever you hear people say Michael Jackson's still alive, you're like, well, no, people said he died. And then they're like, well, do you know you weren't there? And you're like, oh, I wasn't there. Yeah. You got a point. And then, so that's actually, you know, that's, I think that's part of the reason why conspiracy theories are so enticing is because they engage most of the time, both parts of the brain. And that brings me to something else that I have found in my travels across 
the web, which is something called the Ramsey theory, which is essentially boiled down. I'll read it the way I typed it. Given enough elements, an, an interesting pattern is guaranteed. Hmm. So some people will look at this semi-popular one with if you take the pages of Moby Dick and you lay them out uh, just as rectangle sheets of paper and you lay them out vertically next to each other, then you can find um, a set of letters and numbers that predict the assassination of Martin Luther King with like his initials and then the I think the number of the year that he died. And I think it's also got a weird pattern of predicting JFK and the year that he died. And it's because given enough elements, all the numbers and pages in a book like Moby Dick, you're definitely going to find a pattern that you can relate to something else and think, oh, he definitely knew that this was going to happen or he definitely foresaw this other event that hasn't even happened yet but will happen because he said that it will in this weird way that I have arranged the pages of Moby Dick. Hmm. So given enough elements, things look a little odd. So with something like the death of Michael Jackson, they'll say, oh, you weren't there. You don't know that he died. You didn't see the body. Okay, yeah, that's true. Or that picture that had come out soon after he died, there was a shadow inside of his house, even though nobody was supposed to be living in the house anymore. And, oh, maybe he's not dead because there was a shadow. And, you know, whatever else people have come up with, you get enough elements and you're like, oh, maybe, maybe he's not, maybe he's not dead. But then on the converse side of that, you have all these elements of his whole family and agency and the autopsy report that say he definitely died. His body is right here. We buried him. Here he is dead. And here are all the facts that list that list it. But so there are so many facts that say he's dead. And then there are just a couple things that don't seem to line up. And that gives you an interesting pattern because you have bridge essentially. Yeah. Cause you have all these elements where now you're like, Oh, but there's a pattern here. So this, all this list of facts might not be right. Might not might be right because I found these, these cool little things over here. Yeah. But you know what also is funny to me? There are literal things in history and like just in the world in general that alarm us and just don't make sense. And there's and they're not conspiracies, but they're just things that will never make sense and they're just mysteries that will never be solved. Like the pyramids? We can go with the pyramids, but I was thinking more about Adolf Hitler. I don't know why he keeps ending up in our podcast. We don't like the guy. Not a big fan. Not a fan of his work. <laughs> Not a fan of his work. But his death is a mystery that will forever be ever. Because we don't know what happened. People said Hitler is dead. He killed himself in the bunker. And the Russians were like, you know what? We got his body. We're going to take it back to Russia. And we're going to do stuff with it. And the FBI was like, I don't know about that. And then, lo and behold... In the 70s, they came out and said, that's not Hitler's body that we grabbed. We don't know where Hitler is. And they were like, well, why did you tell us this 40 years ago? <laughs> and they're like, because we're Russians. <laughs> it's not a conspiracy. It's 100% true. They don't know what, where Hitler's body is. They, they grabbed the wrong one. So it could have been a body double. It could have been just someone else they grabbed. Hitler could be in Venezuela still. We don't know. And that's that's another thing that, like, for me, when I look at conspiracy theories, right, it's not hard for me to see that part of history, that mystery, pardon me, that we should know for sure by now. What the hell happened to Hitler? 
We should know that by now. So because of that, because of other things, my brain goes, well, then why can't Michael Jackson be alive? Right. Why can't Princess Diana still be alive and hanging out with him on a, on a farm somewhere? Right. You, you know s- what I mean? You see the, ones, the world's big enough. Yeah, you see the ones that start to make a little more sense, and then you start to question less the ones that maybe didn't make a whole lot of sense to you. And that's kind of where both the intuitionist and rationalist inside of you kind of collide. Because right. the intuitionist in you is thinking – Okay, this one, this one is real. This was this one is very close to real, but this one is still way off base, because my intuition says it just isn't. And then the rationalist in you goes, "Well, if this one, which is so crazy, could be so close to true, then maybe I could look into this one and try to see the world from the point of view of people who fully believe this one." Yeah. And so they kind of collide, and then you start to kind of, you start looking more into these other conspiracy theories and maybe the, the intuitionist in you starts to take over more and more. Right. You know, there's a guy who makes his living off of debunking conspiracy theories. I don't remember his name. Uh, I Something in, t- in me is telling me it's Jordan Peterson, but I don't think it is. Um, but he, I saw him on a podcast one time where they just listed off dozens of conspiracy theories. And he was like, nah, this is this, and this, 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 this. And I was like, well, it can't be that simple. Like, like so I feel like sometimes the rationalist side is reaching way too far to make it seem real. And I think a lot of what you said right, right there is really true uh, about, like, you know, the pattern thing, whatever you just said. Oh, the... um. What the heck is it called? The Ramsey theory. The Ramsey theory. Yes. I think that's actually like 100% factually true. Because I think about that, like like you said, with the Moby Dick example, that's a perfect example. Or like, okay, the Lincoln and JFK assassinations. Right. People link those two together because the Osbournes, like they're both the same name. There's obviously some facts that are the exact. Yeah. There's some weird parallels you can draw because there's so many elements that you can find some weird ones. But, you know... There's there's probably not anything more than that. And Just let me, complete coincidence. Let me hit you with something where you said it can't can't possibly be that simple. Here's another, not law of the universe, but sort of a sort sort of a theory, um, a semi law, if you will, that scientists like to use, which is called Occam's razor, which is just saying. the simplest explanation is usually the most accurate. The explanation where you take the fewest amount of assumptions is normally the most accurate explanation for something. Okay. So using Occam's razor, isn't that kind of being like an intuitionist? Well, it not necessarily, because it depends. Like in terms of, let's say, Michael Jackson's death, for instance. You look at the... Oh, okay, a better explanation. Let's look at a fl- a fl- uh, anyone that believes Flat Earth, right? Okay, yeah. What is more likely that... Dozens, billions, not millions, uh, a thousands, hundreds of thousands of scientists, philosophers, physicists, astronauts, everything that has ever said that the earth is round. What are the chances that all of them are wrong and have been wrong for a very, very long time or that the earth is flat, right? So the least amount of assumptions you can make is all of these people are right. The earth is round. Right. And then you can make a whole lot more assumptions. Well, they couldn't be, they might not be right because um, no one's actually ever been in space, which is another conspiracy theory that people will believe that no one's actually ever been in space. So we've never actually seen it from the outside. Also, 
what makes the earth turn around in general in as a globe we don't know because we've never been up there so maybe the earth is flat because it's just a space that flips over that makes night and day and it's not a globe that turns around so you start to make a lot of assumptions to try and say the earth is flat versus these people are right it's round it's a globe yeah i think that's a that's a, a fine example that defense occam's razor i know that a lot of people have issues with this um because like like i just said it's not that simple some of the things that we deal with in life are not that simple right let's use hitler's death for example right Hitler killed himself. Russians have his body. Oh wait, no, they don't. Right. So, and now we and now we know that as a fact, the Russians didn't take Hitler's body because they came out and said so. Right. But I don't. As far as I'm aware, I don't believe that there was a group of people in America or anywhere else that thought maybe Hitler isn't actually dead because. The author like and in both cases of the countries, the authorities said Hitler hung himself, he's dead, Russia now has him. And then everyone was like, Okay, he's dead. And then it wasn't until after they said we didn't actually grab Hitler's body that this theory came around, oh, Hitler may have never died. Maybe he didn't kill himself. So it wasn't until after we had that fact after the fact that people started to theorize that Hitler wasn't dead in the first place. I don't think there was this group of people beforehand that thought he might not have been dead um i believe probably in the intelligence community they may have thought that because they weren't trusting the russians right of but course. but um that's just the thing though because without a body without a proper autopsy without a dna test there's only one explanation he didn't kill himself because they searched the bunker and they found a body and they brought it back up it wasn't hitler's <laughs> it was actually a woman's body that they found uh, that was decomposed and stuff like that. So they just, they just, they were like, well, it's not Hitler, so we don't know who it is. I don't know. It, it drives me crazy thinking about <laughs> it because, again, so, I don't know. Do you have anything more to add on to your research? Because I am finding this very interesting. Yeah, that that's kind of basically everything that I found in terms of who would believe a conspiracy theory and kind of different ways to explain how different people, like, in terms of Ramsey theory and Occam's razor, that most likely there's going to be a lot of elements that you can find similarities and you can find weird instances inside of, and then try and draw conclusions based off of it. And then on the other side, you have Occam's razor, which says that it's a given. You're going to find weird things inside of that. Make the fewest amount of assumptions and you'll most likely come up with the right answer or something close to it. And so it's kind of an intuitionalist rationalist it's kind of both of their laws of life. If you right. are fully intuitionist or fully rational, rationalist, right? Yeah. You look at Ramsey's theory and say, you can definitely 100% find a whole lot of weird instances. Intuitionists will believe those instances. Rationalists won't. And they will say, make less assumptions and you'll be closer to correct. Yeah. So that's, that's, it's, that's very interesting to me because when I was going through the list of kind of some other conspiracy theories that we're going to talk about in a second, just which ones maybe we, maybe we believe, or maybe we don't, what well, maybe we could entertain the idea of it given information that's come to light in the past 40, 50 years or whatever, depending on the mm -hmm. conspiracy theory. I found it very interesting because I looked at some of them and I looked at the information that kind of preceded the theory itself. And some of it I looked at and I thought, 
this is absolutely ridiculous. How could you possibly believe this right now after this, this, and that, and the other? And then some of them I looked at and thought, I mean, I can see where you're coming from. Maybe I don't personally believe this, or maybe I could entertain this, but I can see where you're coming from with this one. Right. So, I mean, in my brain, that comforts me to make me think that I'm most likely in the middle of the intuitionist, rationalist side, because I'd rather not be hard one or hard the other, right? I'd rather be that 60% that is both. Yeah. Because I feel like that's a good balance to have. It's also funny that we're talking about conspiracy theories the week that a bunch of people who believe these crazy QAnon conspiracy theories stormed the Capitol. Yeah, so we're recording this on the 8th, so this is two days after just the civil unrest in <laughs> D.C. Yeah, it's 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 bonkers. And we decided we were going to do this before this happened. Yeah, we've been talking um, about this for a while. So it's it's just fitting that we talked about this because, like I said, yeah, you can definitely... Cause the QAnon stuff, it drives me crazy. It is so far-fetched and so bizarre and so insane, but it ties back to people's religious backgrounds. It ties back to their uh, ideologies about how they think that the the world should be run, and it targets those things, and dry, it makes them crazy. And correct me if I'm wrong, the, what, the kind of the big point of QAnon is that some anonymous person who has dubbed themselves Q... Q has said that they are someone within the government and giving insider information to the people, and yeah. these are the people that believe him. Right? right, so within the military, and they believe that Trump, first of all, is this god among men, and he's going to save humanity from in, from imminent doom, uh, and that anybody who is who wears a blue tie on stage uh, is a, a demon or like a... Uh, they 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 worship like the Illuminati like it's almost right. that kind of thing and they eat babies that's their main thing they eat unborn children or eat, drink their blood to stop them from aging that's their main thing maybe that's Keanu Reeves' secret I I, I well it's so crazy the list that they have like they have people like Tom Hanks I think they had Obama on that list too didn't oh, they Obama yeah. Hillary uh, Biden, of course, is their leader and their most extreme and you know insane counter. It's it's pretty much bizarre. any leader or pretty much any celebrity that's ever said, uh, "Go out and vote." <laughs> <laughs> I don't and, and listen to these people talk in interviews. It is your jaw drops every time because mm -hmm. it's 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 really brainwashing at this point, and it's not about believing something. It is about it being a hundred percent fact. And it's, it, there's no evidence to back it up. And that's another thing that I forgot to mention. A lot of people that want to believe conspiracy theories also have this big tendency to narcissism because a huge thing about conspiracy theories is not just to say, this is the way it is, not this. It's also to say, I know more than this large government, this large entity that says otherwise. I believe this thing, which is not what they're saying. Since this is the truth to me, I know more than them. I am smarter than them. My smartness should be shown to the world and to all the people around me. I want yeah. them to know that I know more than this entity over here that claims to ha that has so much power and money. I'm smarter. I'm bigger than them. I'm better than them. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's very fitting that we talk about this this week. Uh, so, 
I, I'd like to, to bounce them off of you to see what you think about some conspiracies. And I would like you to do the same with me. Yeah, I would, li- I would like to hear your thoughts on everything that's brought up as well. Oh, uh, wait, what do you mean? In terms of like when we bring up conspiracy theories, oh, yeah, when yeah. you ask of me, I want to hear your opinion as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You first. You first, my guy. Okay. Let me see. I've got to – I had to write it down. Um, let's start with something pretty famous, the Loch Ness Monster. The Loch Ness Monster. So you're starting with like fables and like stuff like that. Yeah, because a lot of these – Like Bigfoot. Yes, and that's another one that I have on here, which is another one that's very interesting to me. But the, the Loch Ness Monster, for instance, people have just said they saw this big creature inside of a lake that – they think is something that scientists have yet to discover. And some people firmly believe its existence. And I don't understand why. <laughs> I really don't. I think it's very likely, because we, I, I don't know how old this legend is. Let's just speak on Lock This Monster for just a moment, right? So it is very well possible that some prehistoric creature made its way into a lake in like... 1100 AD in Scotland somewhere right in the Atlantic Ocean and or like you know what I mean like somehow it just missed the memo it doesn't have anything to breed (laughs) with but it's hundreds of years old it breaches the water once someone's jaw drops and they talk about it for hundreds of years they will never find it again because obviously this thing hasn't breeded with anything else it's species it's dead but I think it's very well possible that 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 could be the whole genesis of this. I don't. I have no idea how old this legend is, but people have been in Europe for hundreds and hundreds of years, thousands of years. So they it could be thousands of years old, and they could have literally seen a prehistoric creature there. And you and, know, and some well, people to this day have claimed that they have seen right. Nessie and have seen this big monster within the lake, and that. Why aren't scientists talking about it? Why aren't they looking for it and discovering it? Pretty much every body of water in the world that's like that's within land, lakes, ponds, rivers, has been pretty thoroughly uh, researched, and the wildlife has been looked at by scientists to determine, you know, what's indigenous to where, and what lives where, and what and what breeds in certain times of the year, and that sort of thing. So. Within this lake, they would have definitely seen this thing by now. Yeah, um, I tend to believe they would have seen it by now. And if people still people who still believe it exists, you know, I do have issues with that. Bigfoot is a whole different story to me. Bigfoot, Bigfoot is legendary. Which and it's interesting because I cannot remember the dude's name, but there was there was a man. It was in like 1958 or something that he put prints in the ground as a joke as a prank to people around him and then and you know they thought oh there's this thing out here that's crazy big and he didn't tell them and like it was like 2002 his kids like you know came forward and said he did these prints as a big joke as a prank to his friends around him that all believed it and then it got way out of hand it was literally all a big joke y'all need to stop looking for bigfoot (laughs) right but they're currently 2,032 sightings, quote-unquote sightings, of Bigfoot in Washington State alone. There are supposedly 2,032 sightings of Bigfoot. Yeah. Even though these people have come out and said it was a big joke 
stop it. This got out of hand. We're tired of you contacting us because our father's name was the fir- was attached to this so heavily. I, we're tired of it. I, I also find it interesting how there are legends of Sasquatches all over the world. All over the world. So there's obviously something there, right? Just like dragons. There's legends of dragons everywhere. So there's obviously something there. Someone saw something hundreds and thousands or you know just thousands of years ago and it freaked them the heck out. So they wrote it down or they passed it along orally to their son and then their then their son to their son to their son and their friends and their friends and their friends. I think that's where these ones these ones to me are not conspiracy theories as much. Someone saw something. It existed in the world and now it's extinct. And people are still looking for it and they'll probably never find it. My personal conspiracy theory about Bigfoot okay. is that there's a different subgroup of people who find the people that look for Bigfoot they just think that they're a big joke. So they themselves take turns wearing a big Bigfoot suit <laughs> and running around the woods of Washington so that people will see them. And they'll be like, oh, I saw Bigfoot. And there's just a group of people that think they're so stupid that they're just trying to mess with them and have been for years. It's so funny, too, like how they can never get Bigfoot you know, doing anything but running through the woods and looking over his shoulder. Very blurrily. <laughs> like, it's never like, all right, he's standing there, he's eating a twig or whatever. <laughs> he's eating, he's gouging, you know, a, a boar or something in the woods. Nope. He's always sprinting away, looking <laughs> over his shoulder through the woods. You know how hard it is to sprint through woods, Kyle? Very hard, especially when you're very big and have big feet. And these these people that that hunt for Bigfoot are people that have poured a great deal of money into campers and camera equipment and video equipment so that they can capture the moment. And so they have this high-tech technology and all they ever get is a blurry (laughs) picture of him sprinting, looking over his shoulder. (laughs) So maybe stop and smell the roses and, hey, Bigfoot's not there anymore, big guy. Yeah, big guy. (sighs) Well, so yeah, I like the fables are almost kind of an introduction to conspiracy theories. They're kind of the baseline. You know, there's you know, you know there's legends over there for every state in America. Really? Yeah, like there's some in Kentucky that are really famous. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but there's like each state has their own like creature or like you know fable or something like that. Like it, it's always that's always been a thing in America. What does least. Florida have? Do you know? <sighs> I don't know. It's probably it just a big alligator. It's probably some big gator or something like that. I can't remember what it is, uh, but yeah, maybe maybe someone in in uh, in Scotland saw an alligator, and that's the <laughs> whole thing. <laughs> and then somehow it got distorted to this big snake-like Lapras-looking Loch Ness monster. Maybe, maybe. Anyway, hit me with one. Probably less fably, I assume. What do you think about? planes that go missing like the malaysia flight there are dozens of them kyle that's the first one that pops into my mind but i mean just in general like what do you think about planes that go missing because those are spooky as crap to be honest i have not put a lot of thought into those i don't know why i haven't like when the malaysia thing happened however many years ago you know the the flight disappeared and so Assumedly, all those people were dead. And I thought, oh, that's sad. The plane went somewhere that maybe, like, it maybe it hit the side of a mountain and got buried in snow or something. And so that's just missing. Like, it's, so I never really thought about it. I immediately, the rationalist part of me hit, you know, and said, 
it got buried in snow. It fell and sank deep into the ocean and can't be tracked. Like, okay, ships and stuff like that, I feel, are different to me. Because ships, especially, like, in the last several hundred years, haven't had radios and, like, right. stuff like that to communicate and stuff like that. Even Amelia Earhart, people say that's a huge conspiracy. Yeah. We know one. she dove into the ocean. Like, there's, like, like she had a catastrophic accident, and she's in the bottom of the ocean somewhere. Like, that's just, I mean, there's no way that she's not. So, uh, and, and that, again, it's, like, in the 50s. There's not, like, any way to track her. There's no way to, right. like, you know, there's ways to guess yeah. where she might have landed, if she landed on an island somehow. But there's no way to find the wreckage. The ocean's too deep. For us to go down there. Yeah, and that's the part of me that thinks the same thing about those missing flights. Because if they if the plane sinks deep enough, then the pressure crushes everything, and so it can't be tracked. But the thing about planes that bothers me, right, is the fact that you can communicate with someone on a plane the entire time, right? They they make this very specifically and clear because if you fly over a country and you don't communicate with people in the air, they blow you up, Right. Of course, like you have to get permission from the tower to land exactly. if it's emergency landing. But most likely, your plane is expected to come into an airport anyway. So if you're on a commercial there was, flight, there was no explosion. There was no mayday, mayday call. They just disappear. And the interesting thing as well, now that you're talking about it, is when you said communication, what I thought you were going to start talking about is now that I'm thinking about it, is just the passengers themselves because now you can purchase like the Wi-Fi capability yeah. on a commercial airline. Yeah. And so once you're up there, hook up to the Wi-Fi and then send text messages over the internet yeah. to people. So, like, I mean, what, that that is interesting. Like, what happened? Like, there, like I said, there is an explanation, right? They fell into the ocean. Okay, why was there, what, did their engine explode? Did they do a nosedive? Why did no one on board text their loved ones? Why did the cockpit not communicate with anyone who was near? Obviously, the Atlantic, the specific especially, which is where the Malaysia flight probably took place, right? Uh, it's very hard to communicate over that, you know, right. land space. But there's no way that there's no there's no way that there's no way, right? There's no way that they lost communications or stuff like that. So those things always bother me. You know, we'll never know. We weren't there. There's maybe, no eyewitness. Maybe one day we will. Maybe very, very far into the future, we'll have the capabilities to go to the deepest depths of the ocean without having to worry about how pressurized it is. Mm -hmm. And we're going to find just a whole lot of planes. <sighs> and what a day that would be yeah. when you wake up to the news and you just find out that 60, 70, 80, 100 some odd planes have been found at the bottom of various oceans throughout the world. What if we don't find any of them? Like, let then I, then you got a conspiracy theory <laughs> on your hands because what happened to those planes? Exactly, that's my thought. Like, you know, okay, very it's very easy to say. Okay, just like a ship would, it sank to the bottom. It was on the water. It sank to the bottom. What if it didn't? What if we look where? The, what if we scan the entire ocean, which is very hard to do? But what if we scan the entire ocean? We never find. Malaysia flight 838 whatever it is. What the heck? That, that's that, like I said, then you got then you got some things to think about. Right. That's when that that that's when you go to government buildings and say, "Hey, I want answers." <laughs> <laughs> Where to go? <laughs> Hit me with one, Kyle. Hit me with one. Okay. Um Oh, 
here's one that a surprising amount of people believe. I say surprising. It might not honestly be that surprising anymore. So the fact that a conspiracy theory that the FDA is withholding things like cures to cancer or just cures to various mm. diseases because they're being influenced by big pharma or, you know, influenced by big pharma because it draws money to right. not have a cure to cancer. Right. So if you had to guess what percentage of Americans believe that like 43, it's 40%, about yeah. 40% of Americans believe that the FDA is withholding things like cure to cancer or like I said, any other various diseases. It would not surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me either. I don't know if I believe it necessarily, but this is one of the ones I could entertain the idea of it. Like if that came out in the news and I saw FDA has been withholding cure to cancer for 15 years, I'd look at that and I'd think that's pretty crazy. But also family I, guy I, talked about this, like literally <laughs> like if the Simpsons predicted it, then I'm willing to believe it. Yeah. Um, like that's not even like uh, to me. Cause the thing is, Okay, there are a few things that are rolling around in my mind right now. Number one, we have witnessed the government withholding information from us, right? Right. There's a whole library that we can't go into and look at, you know, because the government says that's too much for the people of the That bugs me so much. Yeah. I want to read all that stuff so bad. <laughs> uh, so, you know, and there's things that we will never know about the government. So it's very well possible that they could be holding back the cure to cancer because it makes a lot of money, aka capitalism. So that could be very well a thing. It is also incredibly hard for the government to keep a secret right exactly like the, I, I was we we're talking about this the other night with like bill clinton monica Lewinsky. people were like hey <laughs> something fishy going on here what's that on her dress like they just put two and two together and he was like no, guys. Got I do not have sexual relations <laughs> with that woman. I just played saxophone with her. <laughs> <laughs> and lo and behold, it, it definitely came out. It, it, it's, it's very hard to keep something a, very, a secret from the government. It's very, very, very hard. So, again, I, I tend to believe both things. The simple yeah. answer is, you know, it's very hard to keep a secret. If they, ha if they had a cure... They give it to us. And there are also thousands of people that aren't the FDA that are researching cancer. So, you know, maybe the FDA has a hold on them. Like maybe there's there are people who aren't the FDA who have like, you know, uh, pressure on them saying, hey, you can't release this because we'll lose a lot of money. The thing is, I don't think they would lose a, as much money because people still get sick. Right. You know, I mean, people still get hurt and people still get sick. So it's not going to be like, you know, uh, people will still develop cancer. They're just going to, they're going to have to pay for the treatment. If that treatment existed to cure them of it, they would right. still have to pay for it yeah. and get the treatment. So, but, and I see what you're saying though, because the intuitionist in both of us is saying, I can definitely see that happening. Right. Capitalism. You need your own <laughs> solo podcast about capitalism. <laughs> For one, but you know, <laughs> capitalism, they'd lose money. They don't want to. And then the rationalist in us is exactly what you said. Other people are working on it. There's an entire, just a huge group of scientists within the government that are working on the cure to cancer. If they had it, I'm sure at least one of them has a heart that is not a hundred percent stone that if they were being forced to not say anything would come out and be like, 
this is dangerous for me, but we have the cure. Tell somebody. Yeah. I'm here. I'm here at Wall Street Journal. Interview me. Let's talk about it. We've got it. Put pressure on the FDA to give it to you. Yeah. One of those people would come out, I think. So that's where both parts of our brain are coming in and saying, maybe, but probably not. <laughs> you know, we could entertain the idea of it, but myself personally, I lean more towards that's not real. But I'm not fully there. Right. You know? All right. Hit me. I feel like you know what I'm about to say. I do. The pyramids. Uh-huh. Kyle, we've had this discussion several times. How'd they do it? How's your mind, has your mind changed at all? No. I mean, <laughs> obviously, I drive me crazy. Obviously, because we've been saying this fairly often here. We're never going to know. We weren't there. But what I don't, there's nothing in me that just draws me towards aliens helped. They had to. You know, nothing in me is, is pulling me there. Everything in me pulls me towards the rational side of this one. It says, uh, there was probably a lot of animal abuse, and they used animals to pull up these big, heavy stones, and it took them a real long time, but they did it. Wahoo. There's no way. <laughs> There's just no way. I, I am not nearly smart enough to do research on this and, like, develop a hypothesis that says there's no way but just looking at them there's just no way witnessing the majesty of the pyramids like it's a mystery that has plagued us for hundreds of years but there's nothing like like them on earth in that scale there there are replicas or not replicas but just you know pyramid like things all over the world right but there's they are different very different and the scale, the size. Now, they have eroded over time, too, so we don't know what they looked like. They, we have guesses as to what they looked like when they were first constructed, and they look a lot different from what we can guess um, because of the weathering and erosion of the desert. It's just the way it is. Right. Um, but like I said, there are people, and we talked about this, too, people that said, you know, well, technically Egypt, where the pyramids were built, uh, is the direct center of the earth, like all this stuff. And that's, that's not true. True, proven not to be true now. <laughs> so like like I said, you have one side that like it makes sense. Okay, I can see where you're coming from with, you know, the scale, the size, everything that, you know, it makes sense that humans by themselves thousands of years ago, right, right now, sure, maybe we could do it. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's it's possible, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't be easy to build ca- like – to build a pyramid and then have chasms and like th- things, not chasms, that's the wrong word, to build tombs and pathways and stuff inside the pyramid. Is it, is it catacombs? Is that the word? Is catacombs are underground. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, but to build, you know, corridors and stuff like that inside the pyramids to hold the, the mummies and stuff like that inside, to hold the riches, to hold everything, that's, that's an insane amount of architecture and – a part of me is also kind of saying, well, is it just because we think humans back then were so stupid that, right. you know, we 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 may be wrong? Again, we were never there, and God, I wish I was there just to see and, it. I mean, this is the time in history somewhere about – because, you know, we've – I think it is somewhat safe to say that any average adult 
now is smarter than any average adult from any other point in history in the past. Sure. Right? Most likely you could say that. But this yeah. is also way back when is when, you know, people started venting, you know, math and started. Well, this still predates that, though, doesn't it? I mean, the the Islamic uh, mathematical, like, enlightenment didn't happen for another thousand years, at least. I mean, this is all, like, you know, roughly 5,000 B.C.? Something like that. Something like that. I, I don't I don't know for sure, which is killing me. Uh, what I want to know, because obviously it's this architectural phenomenon right. that should be marveled at for all of time. Right. It's an incredible feat of human capabilities and only human capabilities <laughs> in my mind. But what I want to know, because I'm sure you could look this up, because uh, I don't – Egyptians didn't keep – great track of their records if i'm not mistaken right it's debated so i don't think it is well documented anywhere how long it took to build you know one pyramid or just the pyramids mm -hmm. how long that process was because if we're saying that they did this you know in some amount of a couple years or 10 years 20 years then I don't think it was just human. <laughs> but if it was, you know, hundreds of years before the pyramids were completed, then I could absolutely see it being just humans that did it. Yeah. Along with the help of some very strong animals that they most likely abused a great deal. If I had to guess, that would be my assumption. Well, your assumption, Kyle, hate to say it, wrong. <laughs> Hit me. So you think you think you think aliens helped? Them oh, definitely. I definitely think aliens helped. Them. What do you think the aliens look like? Are they the same aliens that will soon visit us, or the same aliens we keep in Area Fifty One? Well, okay, this is my thought. Which is my next one, Area Fifty One. Area Fifty One, interesting. Um, I think the aliens visited us then, and they probably visited us a few more times. But they are obviously multiple different types of aliens these ones may not have even had bodies i think they came wearing overalls i think they had bodies and they were wearing overalls if okay. i'm gonna imagine aliens helping with the pyramids then they have to be wearing overalls <laughs> for no other reason than i really like that image i i like it too i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie like i'm thinking of the alien that um the villain in monsters versus aliens that rain wilson voices i'm okay. thinking of him wearing overalls <laughs> helping build the pyramids um. Yeah, I, I, I think creatures from another world came and helped us build. And they, in other civilizations, other alien civilizations, maybe, maybe helped and visited us too. Maybe dragons came from out of space, and that's why we have dragons everywhere. You know what I mean? Right. Who knows? So yeah, so Area Fifty One. Okay, Area Fifty One. Here's the thing about Area Fifty One. I think it's a tourist trap, and nothing else. Really. Yeah. I did not expect that out of you. I really do. I really think that maybe at some point they were it, it, it rings 50s to me at least in my in my limited knowledge of it. I've done zero research on Area 51 so I really don't know. It probably probably was some place where they did nuclear testing and like stuff like that and they someone said it was aliens and it people ran with it and I think that's just word of mouth has made this place what it is 
we'll never know because we're not allowed inside. But I, I think that whole thing, we're not allowed inside, all this BS, is literally a tourist trap. That's just my thought. I honestly expected the exact opposite out of you. <laughs> I really did. I expected you to say that Area 51 is full of uh, aliens and alien technology. I feel like it's not that simple. There's no way. Like, the, the, well, the aliens would escape. They're smarter than us. Like, well, over mean, 60 years? Come on. I mean, you, I mean, you... You're the U.S. government. You see a unidentified flying object. You don't want Americans to know that it might be extraterrestrial life. You kill them. You shoot it down, and you kill them. So you've got dead aliens that they're studying, not live ones that could escape, just dead ones. Okay. That they're analyzing the anatomy of and, you know, stuff like that. Not how, to, I'm, how I want to preface this. I don't believe that all of that is in there either. Know, I'm just saying. How do we know that aliens obey the same laws that we obey on Earth? We don't. Anyone— that's inside of Area 51, allegedly working on the aliens. <laughs> they know. No, I'm saying, okay. How do you how do you kill an alien? How do you know an alien if after you kill it doesn't give birth again? Like you know what I mean? Like they you don't, don't know until you shoot it. So that's what I'm saying. Like I think a lot of people use the mind frame of Earth and the you know we're in the perfect spot to obtain life or whatever to judge okay there's no way there's life anywhere else or there's no way that like or if there is they have to be in a certain spot or this money zone whatever we don't know if other life on different planets or whatever needs carbon oxygen whatever or there's other elements that develop there you know we don't know right so i don't know that's just my alien rant in terms of like the research into area 51 there is this episode that I think you would thoroughly enjoy of the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah. He's got a guest on there. I think his name is Bob Lazar. Um, I think I know that name. He's a guy that claims to have worked at Area 51 years ago. And the other guest he has is the guy that's making the documentary about Bob Lazar's experience with Area 51. And he's just a nuisance in the episode. Ignore him as much as you can. Okay. <laughs> the focal point is Bob Lazar. So anyone else also highly encourage you to listen to this episode of the podcast but so he claims to have worked at area 51 and talks about like this like this cube for instance that they only really know they all, all they figured out is how to turn it on and off and when you turn it on it levitates for a little bit and then it goes back down that all they figured out is how to trigger its on off capabilities and so he has this whole story of the way that he was working there and he talks about a machine that I, I believe it scanned like the bone in your finger as an ID because it was this was years ago. They didn't have like fingerprint scanning to ID, but they had a machine that would measure like the length of your index finger bone or something like that to be able to identify you. And this is a machine that isn't really like transcribed in the history of machines, except for government working officials would be the only people that really knew about this machine. And so he has all these different instances where people definitely believe that he worked where he says he worked, and so they believe the things that he said. And obviously you have the group of people that don't believe in aliens, period. Um, so that's just an interesting re uh, an interesting listen in general because he talks about that they were going to do a test with a, an air, a UFO aircraft that they had, and he wasn't supposed to talk to anybody about it, but he showed a couple of his friends. like they, He like drove to them and drove them to the spot where you could see what was happening, and um, he didn't know that his wife was cheating on him, but the people at the government that he was working, like U.S. government, they knew. And um, so then 
they told him that she was cheating on him, even though he didn't know because he showed his friends the spacecraft and he was being threatened by the government. But then he was saved because the newspaper was putting out this huge story about him. And so he was becoming this kind of famous figure about Area 51. And so then the government threats, threats kind of uh, weaned off because they couldn't just they couldn't just kill him now because he was this public figure about uh, alien technology. It's a whole listen. And like I said, he's got a lot of things he talks about, which kind of compels you to think that he really did work at Area 51 because it seems like he knows some things that nobody else would have known, but that you can verify if you dig deep enough. Um, so it's very interesting. It's very interesting. Again, personally, I don't also believe, I think Area 51 is just a whole bunch of nonsense. They just test some whatever they test some small scale nuclear stuff or whatever it is that they do, but it doesn't have to do with aliens. I, I also, now that you said Bob Lazar and you told a story, I think I know who you're talking about now. First of all, that should be a movie, if it's not already. That'd be a very entertaining 50s style movie. Like I said, the guy made a documentary about it. It's probably garbage just because he was really annoying, so I already don't <laughs> like his work. But <laughs> um, Yeah, that dude's definitely lying. <laughs> like, he's very, it's very, uh, like... Uh, what's the word? It's very coincidental that all that happened. <laughs> right. Very coincidental. So I don't, I don't know. Um, my my last one that I just I can think of now. We'll probably end with this. We're an hour and a half in. Nice. So we'll probably make this the last one. Jeff Epstein. Oh right. <laughs> this one is tough for me. Really tough. It's still a sensitive subject in general. I think it's not not that it's sensitive because for me, if I if I see Jeff Epstein, you know what I mean? Like I see him as a, a as a criminal and a jackass. I don't mind that he's dead. But who did it? And the fact that they're trying to pull it, that it is it himself. Is, is himself is baloney. And, and, and like I said, I was agreeing with the guy who was talking on the podcast he was like slaying these conspiracy theories left and right and i was like yeah this make, literally makes sense i can understand that and then they got the jeff epstein which was very recent at the time like within months and this guy was talking and he was like yeah prisons are super underfunded the guys who work in prisons are jackasses and you know this, this, that, and the other. So yeah, he probably did kill himself and wasn't wasn't watched. And there's the video, just you know, it, it's just a coincidence. And I'm like, there's no way. Like how how does that happen? How do you how do you you know? It's very it's much more simpler. There's a like the line of logic between him killing himself and him being murdered. It's like him killing himself is like nine different things. I mean, him not killing himself is like nine different things have to all align. There have to be no cameras recording him. He has to be taken off suicide watch or whatever. The guard has to be not there or visible or whatever. We can't see him. There has to be, uh, you know, 10 or 11 different things that have to happen for him not to kill him, for him to kill himself. Okay. For him to not kill himself, to be murdered. Someone with power has to walk into the prison complex, convince the, you know, convince whoever with money or whatever, uh, who is in charge of the prison to not say anything, and 
convince the guard to look away as they strangle him and make it look like, you know, a, a suicide, which they did a very bad job of because his autopsy rules that it wasn't a suicide. Because there's like two or three people that did autopsies on it, and like all of them were like, yeah. This does not look like a suicide because basically when you hang yourself, there's a bone that doesn't or does break right here. It's a very thin. Towards the clavicle? Yeah. It's a very thin, very thin bone that breaks. When you strangle somebody, it looks very different. My dad happens to be a homicide detective. uh, So I I didn't ask him, but I'm sure he would be able to explain it in much greater detail. When you can tell when someone's been strangled because this part, the the size of their neck are blue and and bruised. Right. Yeah. These people that do autopsies are experts and have seen a whole bunch of different deaths. So they can all, they can almost always correctly identify the way that a person passed away. And and it bothers me too, that now if you said Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself, everyone's like, Oh yeah, we know that. And no one's doing anything about it. Like, no one's like, well, who did it? Why did they do it? Mm-hmm. He had dirt on tons of people. So it could be a lot of different people who may hold political office right now, you know, may or may not. But it, I think a lot of people are just hoping that uh, Ghislaine Maxwell will have more information. And that's already turning into a mess. There was a judge that was almost shot, mm-hmm. you know, in her case. I mean, it, that doesn't even feel like a conspiracy theory to me. It just feels so unanimously real. It just can't be fake. I think I think I also agree with this one that he definitely did not kill himself. Um this is one I I'm I'm not really on the fence at all. I remember when I first explained this to you. I think we were at Sarah's house. Uh cuz I I'm sure you knew the meme. But like I hadn't done any research into it because I, re- I truly I didn't care. To oh be yeah, honest. it was it was when Ghislaine Maxwell was captured. You were like, oh, who's this chick? I read that and I was like, okay, I know that she's connected to Jeffrey Epstein. I don't know anything about him because I did not care about the meme at all. And and, and I it, the meme I call it yeah, which is kind of <laughs> it insensitive, was, I guess. Well, but. Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Became a huge meme that year. Yeah, uh, just because that was just you know it was just everyone takes everything nowadays and just turns it. If it's the worst thing ever, they turn it into a joke. But uh, I remember like telling you all the details about it, and you were like, "Why don't I know about this? <laughs> <laughs> like, like that doesn't make any sense." Yeah, for some reason I just didn't care. I didn't look into it. I saw the Jeffrey Epstein stuff, and I was like, "It's a name I've never heard before, so I don't care." <laughs> Anyways, yeah, that one's very clear to me, and is and, and I think again that kind of pulls on the, you know, the 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 fewest steps to a conclusion, right? You know, you have to take nineteen million steps to try and tell me that Jeffrey Epstein killed himself, right? And there's very few. So the, my thing is, when you see that happen, and people will tell you with a straight face, yeah, Jeffrey Epstein killed himself. He did. He he hung himself with his jumpsuit or whatever. Did the stupid thing. Why when that when that is true when that is when that's happened and it's so obvious that they're lying to you. Why can't they be lying to us about cancer or whatever? I've already made this point already in the podcast. Yeah, exactly. But you see, you see one that's most likely true or one that you believe to be true, and then you look at the other ones and you think, oh, maybe I was wrong before. Maybe this one could be true. Yeah, Ugh. conspiracies. So those are. Uh, 
I mean, that's that's my that's my research, which is mainly Eric Oliver's research and uh, some other things I looked into. But about conspiracy theories, who believes them, why they do, and uh, obviously we went through a list of some fairly uh, more popular and basic ones of whether we believe them or not. But let us know what if you agree with any of these, if you disagree with us, any conspiracy theories that you maybe believe or don't or ones you find really amusing. One of my personal favorites is that Paul McCartney died in like 1966 <laughs> and there's been an imposter named Bill Shears or something ever since that released the 20 solo albums and had a wife and four kids Those and are a my divorce. Favorite. Those are my favorite. The Paul McCartney one is the is my personal favorite because the people think that he legitimately died in 66 and all of this time because he's still alive has been somebody else this whole time. It's one of my personal favorites because they talk about that there are some like subtle lyrics in some of the Beatles songs after that that they think means that Paul McCartney died. And they take some song and play it backwards and it says Paul is dead is dead or something. And everyone's what? like, whoa, Paul McCartney's dead. Take this song and play it backwards. And then that brings it back to Ramsey theory. You give enough instances to somebody, they'll find something weird. So it's one of my personal favorites just because there's so many oddities that people <laughs> love to point at and be like, ooh, that one's weird. Paul's dead. So if you have any, let us know because hopefully by the time this comes up, I'm planning to do this soon, uh, we will have officially made the Twitter and Instagram accounts for the podcast so you can tweet directly at us or hashtag Milk and Screams yeah. as in the past. I don't think we've said it recently. Um, but now we're going to have actual accounts. So tweet at us if you feel like it. Sure. What you believe, what you don't. And let's give it up. Let's give our brains a pat on the back for coming up with conspiracy theories, shall we? Yeah, we're we're su we're such smart Americans. <laughs> 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 well, some of us. I don't know who else is listening to this. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you guys next time. Until then. You're beautiful. Stay safe. Stay kind. Stay safe. Stay kind. Peace and love and peace and love. <laughs> <laughs>